The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Sneakers and cleats. The podcast. Welcome back to the Sneaker Cleats podcast. It is we're recording this on Wednesday. Usually, I would say it's Thursday, February 29th, leap day. But today is February 28th. We are recording this on a Wednesday to be released tomorrow. Um, Matt Roy, Don Harris, Chuck McAtinick on board as always. Gentlemen, how are you today? Great. I am confused now that you said leap year. I, I always forget. What's the, why? Every four years. February? I don't why, know. Why did that happen, though? I don't know. Are you of the belief that if you're born on February 29th, you can only celebrate your uh, birthday every six years? Or yes. four, four years? Four years? Yes. I, I want to know that why they fair. did it again. What, I've, I don't know. How, why does it matter? I don't know. Julian calendars. Does it have something to do with farming? I don't think so. How did I know? How did I not look this up? Because I knew you were going to ask this. I just didn't. I okay. didn't look it up. I Let's leap it up ahead. We're yeah. leaping ahead. This is episode eighty. We've made it to eighty episodes. We got through all of wow. the. Wow. Offens- we haven't been canceled yet. We got through all the offensive line. Wait till today, which is yes. nice. Yeah. <laughs> Wait till the end of the show, and uh, Don cancels himself. No, just kidding. Um, we are on number eighty, and to me, as we always start with, what the number of the episode reminds you of, what athlete, what event. That begins with 80 or has something to do with 80. It's Jerry Rice. It is Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice is the GOAT. It's the the 80 that everyone should think of. It's the 80 that I think of. He's a three-time Super Bowl champ. He's Super Bowl MVP. He played 20 seasons. He owned, at the time of his retirement, he owned 38 NFL records just by himself, including most receiving yards, receptions, touchdowns, most thousand-yard seasons. He's a top five football player of all time. I think he's number one. He's probably not five. I don't know. I think Lawrence Taylor's the best football player of all time. Hmm. But it's between those two. I think Jerry Rice is the greatest football player of all time. And he, if you so look good. at like touchdown records, the c- crazy part is that like he's number one, and then the next nine of the top ten are running backs. Like it's not even like so weird. He's such an anomaly. Well, yeah. Well, his his numbers are just so far and away beyond everybody. Yeah. Like the longevity of Jerry Rice's career outdid every person that's ever played in the NFL, From? except for. I, I know this too. Is it Mississippi? He's from Mississippi, right? Mississippi Valley State. I looked at. They just got their first win the other day. Good for them in basketball. Wow. They were zero twenty-seven to start the year, and they finally got a win the other day. But see, I know things like that. While you guys know exactly where he went to school and whatnot. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jerry Rice, a top. I would say top three with him, Tom Brady, LT, probably. Um, okay. As the top players of all time. Who's who's next on the touchdown list? Is it Emmett? I don't know. I think Emmett. Well, Emmett has the most for running backs. I know that. So, I think it's Emmett. I, then I think it's... You guys in your lists. I'm just... I'm good at records. I think it's Emmett and then it's Marcus Allen. Uh, oh, no. It's LT. It's Emmett, then LT, then Marcus Allen. So, don't as far know as running much backs. about Yeah, just story. all-time touchdowns. Um. Other 80s, Singing though. on the show. Other notable 80s. I still want you to do another poetry slam. Uh, All right. We'll reading, have to come up reading. with one fairly soon. Yeah, next year when we do the high school. I have, I have no again. problem with your list of 80s. They're all great Hall of Fame receivers, but you you omitted, you know, I just go back to the Cowboys, Tony Thrill Hill. 
I saw it, but I didn't put it on. Yeah, he was great. I got Chris Carter on here, another Hall of Famer. Steve Largent, James Lofton, Isaac Bruce, all Hall of Famers. Andre Johnson of Texans lore, uh, probably the best player besides J.J. Watt in Texans. New Hall, the, new Hall of Famer. In the Texans' short history. Uh, and then Rod Smith, one of my yeah. favorite players of all time. One of the best undrafted players of all time, Rod Smith, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, won a couple of Super Bowls there. Uh, in 1980, I like doing these as well, Steelers beat the Rams. Terry Bradshaw was the MVP, 31-19. Who was the quarterback of the Rams in that Super Bowl? Of the Ravens? Of the, the Rams. Rams. Uh, 1980. Give me the initials. VF. Vince Ferragamo. That's correct. Thank you. You could have given me a thousand years. I would have <laughs> never gotten that right. <laughs> like, uh, and what number did he wear? 15? Uh, sorry, yeah. I, I just hammered you guys for your list. Come on. Phillies defeated the Royals. I think it was 15. Phillies defeated the Royals in their first World Series in franchise history. World Series win in franchise history for the Phillies. Lakers defeated the 76ers in the, to win the NBA title. That was Magic's rookie year. That was the yeah. infamous jump center year for Magic. As, uh, Kareem, Kareem was out, out of game six with an ankle sprain yep. back at home in L.A. Because, yep. of course, he was. And then Magic jumped center. They How ended the up winning you the series. How that? Huh? How the hell do you remember that? Even I knew that. Did you? Okay. Here, here's another one. You're for the one you. asking Vince, Vince Ferragamo's yeah. number here. That's way more famous than Vince Ferragamo's number. Uh, here, here's another one for you on that one. That game was not on live television. No, it was tape delay. Tape delay. By an hour you... and a half, right? Yeah, and it was probably the last one. When did things really start going live? Was it right after that? It was probably the last one. Magic changed the league. Magic and Larry. I, I think the 81 finals was live. The other thing I think about when it comes to the number 80, and it's not a jersey number, it's 1980, I think of the Miracle on Ice. Sure. I mean, we just had the yeah. we just had the uh, anniversary a couple of days ago of uh, Miracle on Ice and, and Al Michaels' famous call, and it was like, how do you not think of that when, when you think of 1980 or you think of 80 as in general? I just... Over time, it's interesting, Al Michaels' voice texture has changed so much, right? Yeah. One of my favorite things, is like, I'm just a, I'm a broadcast nerd, and so one of my favorite things is when something like this comes up, it's the anniversary of X, uh, you get to listen to all the famous calls, and then they pull out the Vin Scully tapes, and they bring out the Bob Costases, and the Al Michaels, and the Pat Summerall's, and the... Uh, um, Vern Lundquist. Vern Lund thank you, that's the one I was, that was slipping my mind. Um, but I love that because then you just get to listen to like minutes and minutes of, of great calls and it's fantastic. The Jack yeah. Bucks, the Jack Buck calls. Um, and then, and, and here's a, here's a, and then, and then it brings us to the, to the Romo call. This oh, last gosh. super. Don't bring ball. it back up. Don't bring it back up. Just, Vin, but, so pull the Vin, tape, pull the tape. Look at this right here. When, uh, Gibson hits his home run in the world series. So good. I went back and watched. I just wanted to see what Scully did, and as opposed to Romo and and Nance, not Nance's fault, by the way. Nance might have let it go, but when it's gone, when when Scully finishes his last two words, a ninety seconds goes by before yeah. he says another word. It was like a minute, uh, yeah, something like that. Minute eighteen, something like that. I'll just. It was awesome. I just still can't believe it goes through Buckner in real time. Yeah. That was just genius. All right, genius. We, let's stop being nerds for half a second. Yeah, okay. And then since we're going up to uh, uh, the Valero here pretty soon, Lee Trevino won, won that year, uh, 1980. Lee Trevino, a uh, great golfer of all time. So Texas legend. Texas struck legend. By, struck by lightning twice what playing golf. What are the odds? 
And you know what he said when people <laughs> do asked? Do the math, Chuck. Do the math. <laughs> he was struck by lightning twice playing golf when they asked Lee what he would suggest to make sure that people did not get struck by lightning playing golf. What would his advice be? He said, grab a one iron, put it over your head, and walk right down the middle of the fairway because even God can't hit a one iron. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good one. All right, let's get to some substance here. Um, Stephen Jones talking yesterday. We got a lot of Cowboys coverage for you today. We talked a lot of Spurs on Monday. We're going to talk a lot of Cowboys today. Stephen Jones talking. This would have been on Tuesday since this is now being uh, released on a Thursday. Stephen Jones uh, asked a lot about Dak Prescott, not giving a lot of answers. He uh, said that they're not going to expound upon uh, the details of his contract CD or Micah wouldn't really say anything. He did say, though, what's on his mind is making Dak not just the past and the present, but the future of the Dallas Cowboys. And that brings to question, like, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? You know what I mean? Like, No, I think it's a good thing. I, I think, though, we always go back to the earlier point, which is I think we all like Dak as a quarterback in terms of what he does for the team, what he means in the locker room how good a quarterback he is, where he is in comparison to other quarterbacks in the league. It's just this price tag is what's so hard to get around, right? Yep. It's If you're trying to build a team and you have a finite number of dollars, it's just crazy that the quarterbacks are making half the money, basically. Yeah, and I think what the Joneses are saying is – they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth. Do they want Dak to be the long-term quarterback of the team? Absolutely. Do they want to sign Dak to an extension? Absolutely. What they're not saying is what they may or may not do based on that dollar figure and based on the dollar figure of both Micah and CD. Who's their best player? Micah Parsons. You think? Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go Micah Parsons. Yeah, Over CD Lamb? Micah's their best player. Well... It's a tough call based on, you know, I just saw somebody was crunching numbers the other day about where the Cowboys receivers are in the league. And it was, you know, obviously CD's got a huge, a very high rating in comparison to the other receivers in the league. But their other guys were like 98, 99, 107. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Out of 120 guys ranked. So, you know... He was their best offensive player last year in terms of not being the quarterback. Awesome. You know, that, maybe also, Pollard was the guy that was the toughest guy to stop. I'll, so. say, I'll say this. Out of the three of those guys, Dak, CD, and Micah, I think CD's the easiest to replace because it's harder to get a really good quarterback or top 10 fringe quarterback, and it's hard to find pass rushing. So I think if you look at it that way, CD is probably the easiest to replace. We have so many, so many different. Uh, was, was that a whisper F bomb? That, that was not a F bomb. Nope, nope, that didn't happen. Okay. Um, we have so he many. Pinned frick- it behind his. Teeth. Go back to the tape. Let's we go have, back and look. We at the have review. so many freaking receivers. So many freaking receivers in the draft <laughs> every single year. You have receivers that are being traded every single year. Jay Jettas is now um, talking about being traded out of Minnesota. Like there, 
wide receivers are easier to find. Okay. I'll, I, I'll buy that argument, but I'll also say I, I can make the argument that CD's their best player. I, I kind of go with you guys on this, Micah. Micah, though, kind of faded down the stretch this year, and CD kind of had a breakout year. Either way, the, the Cowboys are not going to like let those two guys get off the hook because of what they have to pay Dak. Well, and so I think what they're going to tell Dak's people is, like, all three of you, do we want to win a Super Bowl and play together? Because if you all three hold the line of what your value is on the open market, we're not going to be able to keep all three of you guys. And that's going to be an interesting thing. Do they then do that weird thing where they have two voidable years and don't extend him this year? Or do they, you know, I think that's what they're, they're dealing with three agents, three big money guys, and three egos, which who knows what direction that goes in after, after Dak's performance against Green Bay and CD's family saying Dak's not the guy. I mean, who knows all the dynamics that are going on there? Yeah, I mean, something that the Joneses have always been really good at is capology. I mean, they, they're always trying to fit people in as best they can. But at this point, they basically, a couple of years ago, gave Dak a, a contract that bent them over a barrel. Like, he's got them dead to rights when it comes to what he wants. He has all the leverage. They can't trade him without him being approved. He has a sixty million, near $60 million cap hit this year. They can't franchise tag him in 2025. Like, he has them dead to rights. Whatever he wants is what they're going to give him, or they're going, or they're just going to play him on the sixty million dollars and let him go next year. So, or the two voidable years option, yeah, to lower the cap hit. But if, but what I'm saying is, if he doesn't want the two voidable years, they can't add it to it without him accepting it. I don't know I don't if that's think. true. I don't think. I don't think that's true. But I think that's option C that everybody's talking about is what they might be leaning towards, where they add the two voidable years, which will give them cap relief in the short term, but. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Got it. Either way, he has them dead to rights as far as getting a new contract. And so it's it's like, do you want to give – I saw something floated out here this year – or today that was like three years, $180 million. Is that like digestible for the Cowboys to give him $60 million a year for another three years? I don't know. It just feels like all three of these deals all hinge on Dak, right? You know CD's going to get paid – you know, Mike is going to get paid at some point, but maybe they can wait a year before they have to really yeah. have to be forced to deal with that situation. But it sure seems like these three are all joined at the hip one way or the other. And I'm, I would love to be a fly on the wall during these conversations because I think Dak realizes, he's got to realize at this point, look, you've already made your money. Now it's these guys' turn to make the money. Wouldn't it be something if Dak somehow took a little bit more of a sweetheart deal in order to get these guys back, not only on the fold, but also think about what that would do in the locker room. But if too. you're if you're Dak, though, don't you? As you, I mean, you banged this drum for four years. They were ripping him off for a long time because he was playing for so long under his rookie deal and then two franchise tags. Right. That if you're Dak and you're Dak's agent, it's like whoa, 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 whoa. You still owe us for what we gave you. The, well, the I mean, end. I'm sure that probably went into why he got why he got paid when his rookie yeah. deal was up, right? But I mean, at this point, look, man, you've got the endorsements, you got all this other stuff. I mean, what is going to make your team better? Did you, you know? Guys- and I again, even if Dak takes a little bit more of a sweetheart deal, and you get all these guys in, it's still not going to. 
explain what we saw in that Green Bay playoff game. And right? that's the that's so, the thing too, because yeah. like Dak finished second in MVP voting. So from that point, his agent has a lot to argue for, right? Like this guy is the second best player in the NFL. He deserves Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow money. But on the other hand, we all know he's the seventh, eighth best quarterback in the NFL. Like if you want him on your team with the playoffs on the line. And so there's two realities there. But, you know, it's just like baseball arbitration. You go by the numbers, he's going to get paid. Yeah, know? I mean, there's a, so. and there's a lot there, but it's – I just can't – I can't imagine them letting him go at this point. Like, ever. Like, it, it's harder to find a quarterback than it is to find any other position in the NFL. And I'll take the 10th best quarterback in the NFL as opposed to gambling on a – Bryce Young or a, a Will Levis or whoever, insert other mediocre quarterback Trey here. Lance. Right. Trey Lance. I mean. Well, I mean, the way that you just presented that is the way that 95% of the NFL is or, operating mean, right now. There's two schools of thought. It's do you sign him to this long-term extension and thus putting Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, your other young guys, maybe even Mozzie Smith when he is eligible for an extension and all that stuff, you you are basically putting other talent on the chopping block by giving so much of your cap to this one player, or do you want to go the 49ers route where you draft, right. where you draft young? Or the and, Cowboys route while Dak was working under exact, the rookie contract. Exactly, or the Russell Wilson route in 2012 when, when the Seahawks got all that talent and they were able to sign all their talent because their quarterback wasn't making 25% of their cap. It's just, which route do you want to go? Look at Baker Mayfield in Tampa. Well, Baker's about to What he signed for, a million dollars, though? Yeah, I mean, it was incentive-laden, but yeah. I mean, Derek Carr compared to him, and, and you know, what if you signed Dak to an a new extension and give him all the money that he wants, but with no ch without a no-trade clause? Let me ask you this. So that you could move him in the future because some sucker... Is going to take a Dak Prescott. Somebody's going to take take him. Let me ask you this: Who would you rather over the long term, Dak, or let's go with Baker Mayfield? Dak. Yeah, I would take Dak too. But again, but Dak means losing talent. You have to take that into consideration, yeah, right? One hundred percent. But I mean, I think that's kind of the fascinating thing. It would be interesting to see if you just let him play out his contract, right? And then if you guys do what you think he's capable of doing, then you have a good problem to deal with next year, which is you're going to pay him a gazillion dollars as to, opposed to a half a gazillion dollars. So did you guys think that there was a little bit of contempt or frustration in uh, Stephen Jones' voice when he was talking about Dak? Because he was like, we have, our, we have the way we think of this, and then I know Dak's team has the way they think of it. Did you think there was a little bit of like, uh, in his voice there? Yeah, because Jerry's given the same answers, and that is, we can't pay everybody. Mm -hmm. Do you guys want to win or not? Because if everybody takes a little less, we can get this done. But if you're going to hold us hostage for exactly what you think you're worth on the open market, all three of you, we can't get it done. And if we can't let, if we end up letting CD Lamb go, I mean, what is Dak without CD Lamb? Like, right? I mean, if you're Dak Prescott and you don't, you can't see the value of Michael Parsons at CD Lamb because. Here's the other thing. If you go somewhere else, you know, I think Jerry's selling point is look at Troy, look at Romo, 
there, there's something to be said for the star on your helmet and what that means long term. You know, these guys are making twenty million dollars a year doing television. Yeah, but, right. here, but here's the thing: they drafted twenty three, I think, twenty four, something like that. Um, they can get a receiver there. I mean, I know, I know that we look at like the Titans who traded away AJ Brown and then drafted Traylon Burks, and he wasn't AJ Brown. But CD Lamb is replaceable. We proved that receivers are replaceable when they traded Amari Cooper and then replaced him with guess who? CD Lamb. Yeah. You didn't sign Des Bryant and replaced him with who? Amari Cooper. Like receivers are replaceable. You can always trade for one. You can always find one in free agency. You can always find receivers. So then the question is, you can't get a Patrick Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or a Josh Allen, but you might be able to get a Dak Prescott. I mean, it depends on your value of Dak. How much better is Dak Prescott than Kirk Cousins? Not a lot. Uh, not a lot. And, da- and, and Kirk, I started rethinking your question about Baker. I would take Dak to be the quarterback of my team. but Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. If I'm in the NFC Championship game and got to go 85 yards with 2:30 on the clock and only one timeout, give me Baker. I might take Baker. Give me Baker 100. percent Yeah, guys, I'm not going there. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking about the Kirk Cousins, good quarterback, but yeah, I'd much rather have Dak. Yeah, sorry, it's it's not even it's not Why? a fair fight. Well, you just said it. I mean, he's second in MVP. It's a pretty big league. I mean. They won a lot of games this year. They won a lot of games last year. They won a lot of games the year before. He's won a lot of ball games in this league. Yeah, I can lose in the playoffs with someone a lot cheaper. You can. <laughs> that, that's, that's the thing. And so we go all valid. the way in this giant circle to come back to we all like Dak, but at what price? Yeah. Yep. Um, and another couple things. I'm going to skip one. I'm going to skip four here and go to five. So the running back free agency market is is going to be intense this year. Um one of the things that Stephen Jones said yesterday was it, that with Tony Pollard, it's a business thing. Like, if the business is right, or if the money is right, the more we sign him, basically. But business is business. Basically said, Tony Pollard's out, is what I heard He's when a free he said agent. that. He's a free agent. So, when you look at the free agency market for running backs this year, they're not going to tag Tony Pollard like they did last year. There are a litany, a who's who of running backs over the last... Five years. If you play fantasy football, the people in free agency this year are exactly who you have had on your team for the last five years. Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Dillon, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, Devin Singletary, all of them going to be free agents this year, probably. None of them getting the free agency, uh, the tag. So if you're looking at this list... First and foremost, do you like the not, them not signing Tony Pollard to an extension? Yes. And two, which of these running backs would you want on this team the way it's currently constructed? Cheapest one. The cheapest one. Yeah, I think I'm with Don. So that's why I don't think Tony Pollard's completely off the table. I mean, given the list that you have before us, I think they would like to have Tony Pollard back, but 
probably for half the price or maybe even less than half of what he made last year. I think of that whole list, Tony Pollard cost himself the most money last year. He played horribly. Well, he was a 1,000-yard rusher for whatever that means now. But to be fair, he was better the last few weeks of the season. And I think, you know, from the 40,000-foot view, they feel like, you know, now that he's been more than a year removed from his injury, maybe there's still something there because he was showing signs of running a little better towards the end of the year and more powerfully. So I don't know that the Tony Pollard story has been completely written in Dallas yet, but again, it's going to, it's going to come down to economics. And I think there's, there's a position where you can get the fourth rounder from Louisiana tech who might just be as, as valuable, as important, as effective I think the draft is where you get running backs because not, you don't have to pay them money. Not this year. Like this year is a pretty bad running back class out of I mean, as opposed to the last few when you had Bijan and all the those top end guys and even Isaiah Pacheco back there in the fourth round. But when you look at this, so many of these backs can help do exactly what Mike McCarthy wants to do. They need a banger. They need somebody bigger, I think, than Pollard. Derek, Derek, yeah, I think they Derek want. Henry I think that's the, the plan for the Cowboys. They want to get a banger too to have some. I love Derrick Henry. Yeah. Derrick Henry, nice, his right? price tag's going to be too high. No, but, I don't think so. He's thirty years old. You're only going to get so much money if they sign Derrick Henry to a two-year, twenty-two million dollar deal. What's wrong with that? I, I love Derrick Henry. You don't have to even. I just can. Yeah, that's. I, I don't think they want to pay that kind of money though per year. That's a lot of money to tie up at the running back position. I think they want to get cheaper at that position. And I think, you know, it goes back to Zeke, right? If Zeke would have taken a sweetheart deal and taken a lot less, then Zeke would probably still be a Dallas Cowboy. But he went into free agency. It didn't work out for him based on how the league values these running backs at this stage of their career. And I think if Tony Pollard and his agent go to the Cowboys and say, We'll work for half of what we did last year, then Tony Pollard will be a Cowboy. If let he doesn't, me, then he won't. Let me give you a name check. What about A.J. Dillon? A.J. Dillon, and sure. you're, very, you're very familiar with him as a Packers fan. Yep. A.J. Dillon is a banger. He's just not the level of Derrick Henry. He's not a pass-catching back. He's a run zone read. Or he's a he's a zone inside zone guy that is going to run straight up your butt. Yep. So why not A.J. Dillon pair him with someone who can catch the ball of the backfield, maybe a Tony Pollard, <laughs> to get two backs for the price of one? If the price is right. I mean, it's just... Every, I think you're right. Can, I think that's the way they're thinking. They, they want to get two for one. I think everybody is going to look at the market and say, Derrick Henry, Saquon, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, DeAndre Swift, and be like, sign Saquon Barkley. Like right now, he's 27 Somebody years will. old. Somebody's going to, but everyone, all the Cowboys fans in the world are going to look at Saquon Barkley and be like, sign him. Jerry's but, eyes will get real big, too, and Stephen will talk, talk him off the ledge. Yeah, let's call a spade a spade, though. Saquon Barkley's lost a step because of all of the injuries he's had and because he has been the bell cow for the Giants for so long. So I wouldn't personally want Saquon. I would want someone closer to an Austin Eckler or, or something like that. Yeah, you might have to get somebody that's on a rebound. But, you know, again, these talent evaluators nowadays, they know if these guys still got a little gas left in the tank. So Can you, can you imagine the – windfall or the uh, chaos that would happen in Cowboys country, Cowboys nation, if uh, Derrick Henry was was a Dallas Cowboy. You know, Sign me up for what that. What number would he wear? Can he be 22? Number one. No. <laughs> oh, he can't be 22. You're right. He can't oh. be 22. You're right. I don't know. What, what was he? He was a single digit in college. 
I'll bet you Emmett Smith would take take the number down from the wall. I probably. If, I think he would know. allow Derrick Henry, King Henry, to do that. You know, I don't know the most wild uh, uh, Derrick Henry stat I've seen ever is that in his career he has more passing touchdowns in his NFL career than he does receiving touchdowns. No kidding. I swear to God. He's thrown oh, more. He's thrown that. more touchdowns than cat than caught touchdowns. If you want to see the most incredible Derrick Henry stat, go look at his high school rushing totals. <laughs> I don't. It's just running over little kids. I got in one, high one quick Derrick Henry story. Cade and I went. To, Cade was a little kid. We went to Lambeau Field. We were sitting in the back of the end zone, kind of behind the crossbar, so it wasn't great seats. And it was the Titans-Packers preseason. And we just looked at the sidelines. It's like, who is that guy standing with all those grown men that's 20 times bigger than the rest of his team? It was Derrick Henry. He's a running back, one not of my, the yeah. defensive end. One of my favorite pictures of all time is when Derrick Henry comes out for the coin toss. I think it's the national championship game a handful of years back. And Mark Ingram's there with him. And he makes Mark Ingram look like a small, small Kevin Hart-sized man. <laughs> and Mark Ingram's not a small dude. He's like 5'10", 220. But he... Uh, Derrick Henry just makes him so dwarfs him. I think I've told you this before, Matt, and Chuck knows the story. Ken Hall, who the Army All-American Bowl MVP trophy is named after, is a Texas legend, the Sugarland Express, played at Sugarland, Texas in the 50s. He put the bar so high on national rushing records in 1953 that no one ever came close, not for whatever this, 70 years, whatever it is. And... I watched because Ken was a friend. He ran a barbecue joint in Fredericksburg. We did a number of stories on him. And every four or five years, some kid would be yeah, flirting with his high school records. But, like, he ran for 600 yards in a game in high school on 11 carries. Jesus. <laughs> okay, so these were ridiculous numbers, right? And then Derrick Henry comes along out of Uly, Florida, and I don't know if he was playing like class two A ball or not about against really smaller kids. But Derrick Henry was the guy who finally broke Ken Hall's record uh, for all time career over almost twelve thousand yards. Now do the math on that year by year. And then he goes to Alabama, wins the Heisman Trophy, and then he goes to the pros and does what he does. So from a high I've made this argument from a high school, college, and pro standpoint. He might be considered the greatest running back of all time. Now, Emmett and Walter Payton in the pros, for sure, Barry Sanders. He's not on their level in the pros. But when you take all three into consideration, nobody's quite done what Derrick Henry's done. Derrick Henry's phenomenal. I mean, and to think that he came out, I'm trying to look at when he was drafted. He was a, he was the uh, 45th pick in the second round when he came out as the Heisman Trophy winner. People thought he was too big. People thought he, he couldn't move laterally. <laughs> right. Yeah, look what happened. But, all right, two other things I want to get to before we get out of here. So, Mike McCarthy uh, is missing the combine this year. Something I wanted to talk about on Monday, but we talked about the Spurs a little too long, which I enjoyed. Um, I think it's a big deal. I I think I know that coaches miss it more uh, more regularly now than they used to. But you heard all week from people, uh, head coaches and talent evaluators, that the point of going to the combine 
is to get these kids face to face, to see how they process things, to see how they answer questions. It's not really about the 40. Like you saw them play. You have all the tape. It's not really about the three cone or the or how good oh, a quarterback is. I don't know. A lot of guys are going to get paid based on 40 times. Well, I'd be surprised. Yeah, but I mean, they shouldn't. And most of those people that that happens to, the John Rosses of the world, the Kevin Whites of the world, they end up not panning out in the NFL when you run a really fast 40. But the, the thing that a lot of the talent evaluators say is we will need to get these guys in the room. Those meetings are the most important part of the combine. Also being able to talk trades or talk free agency with other GMs, other coaches. Mike McCarthy isn't getting any of that. Mike Zimmer isn't getting any of that, even though Stephen Jones said yesterday <clears throat> that they'll put him on a Zoom call or they'll put him on the phone or whatever. You're not getting that real experience. And I think as someone who needs to hit in this draft and as someone who's Asses on the line very clearly this year. Mike McCarthy should have gone to the to the uh, combine. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe something's there. I mean, it is odd that he's not there, considering that he has been there. So I don't know what to make of it, but I guess it's a little odd. I think I read where sixteen head coaches aren't going this year, and that's going to become more and more the trend. And I think what it says is is that Jerry and Stephen defer to Will McClay to make the call on who these players, on who who gets drafted, more so than McCarthy. I think they'll get his opinion, but I also think McCarthy will defer. If In the draft room, if it's between three guys at a certain pick in the third round, I think at the end of the day they go, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. And then I think at the end of the day, McClay has the, the stamp to – to suggest to Jerry, and then Jerry makes the final call. But I think it's McClay who makes that that call. And I think at this point, Zimmer and McCarthy might be more constructive working their butts off in the office this week than being up there wasting a lot of time having dinners and sitting around in this, watching fat guys run 40s. I think that also says something about how much they respect Mike McCarthy's talent evaluation opinion, though. Like if, Maybe. If, if you're coming down to Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones, and Will McClay, and then your uh, head coach gives the opinion and you go, end up going with the talent evaluator, the head coach is the one that's playing these guys on the field. He's the one that actually has to mold these guys into the young men and the great players that everyone hopes they'll be. So if you're discounting his opinion in that respect, then that's an even worse sign. I don't know because these guys, I mean, it's like it's like pop. I mean, Pop doesn't have a whole lot of say anymore, doesn't want it. Because these guys, they have a team of guys that are watching every EuroLeague game, every college game, nine guys on staff crunching all kinds of numbers, going to these practices, talking to these coaches. The coach is too busy coaching his team. Pop's too busy coaching the Spurs. McCarthy's too busy coaching the Cowboys week in, week out. While that's all going on and we're worried about week 10 regular season against the Commanders, Will McClay and his staff are going to six college football games and talking behind the scenes to high school coaches and college coaches about every guy that they think they might have an eye on. And so they're way more prepared to know about who to take than the head coach of the team. Well, no disrespect, but drafting in the NBA is a lot different than drafting in the NFL. Yeah, it's I mean, true. You have two. You have two rounds, and anyone true. Could, anyone with eyes could have seen that Wemby was going to be the first round pick. Anyone true. with eyes could have seen that they were going to take Tim Duncan <laughs> back, true. back yeah, in the, the day. You know, it's like those things are a little bit easier. Well, for sure, and it's not apples to apples, but that's why it's even more important to have, you know. Gil Brandt was the master of it, picking guys, you know, Sonoma State and all this stuff. You, you have to have all of these guys 
evaluating everywhere all the time, 365, a full staff of scouts. Mike McCarthy does quite honestly, and this is not a knock on him, he doesn't know. I mean, the t- the staff, the player development guys, it's their job to know. It's fair. It's fair to rely on your scouts. Obviously, you, you, Mike McCarthy can't go to every high school football game and every college football game and all of these, uh, all of these other events that he should go to or that he uh, is relying on his scouts to go to. But not being at the combine where everyone's in one place, you have two hundred and forty five pe- uh, kids that are running around, many of which you can meet with. You can get face-to-faces on. If you have 30 that you really, really like, you can actually introduce yourself to the kid. I know that there's 50 one-on-one meetings, and that's really what they rely on now to get those people in the building. But it's just having those conversations seems like something of more of a big deal to me. But, okay. Uh, last thing, uh, Zimmer uh, and his identity. Stephen Jones talked a little bit yesterday about Mike Zimmer and the identity he's going to bring to the defense. He talked a lot about toughness. He talked a lot about needing bigger, more physical linebackers. Chuck, you mentioned this last week, I think, that the linebacking core is something that needs the most work on that defense. What did you think of Steven's comments yesterday when it talked about Zimmer's toughness, his nasty, that he's bringing? He's basically (laughs) echoing, again, I go back to what Jerry said at the end of the year, right? You want to run the ball better, we want to stop the run, and we want to be more physical. So with those three axioms being in place this offseason, I think you're going to see the moves – that the Cowboys make to try to get better in that regard. Yeah, they're going to be bigger at linebacker, bigger at running back. I mean, the, he he was talking like Marquise Bell. He mentioned Marquise Bell a few few times, uh, name a few times yesterday, and he was like, we love Marquise, but he's a safety. Like, you had to move him in. They kept playing that three safety, two linebacker shell yesterday, or last year, and it's like, that's why you guys got run on so much. <laughs> yeah. So if you're going to play a – Four three. I don't. I don't know what kind of system Zimmer comes in with, but if either it's a four three or a three four. You're going to have more backers on the field. You're going to have more size, and if you have more size, you're going to be better at stopping the run, and that's really what they need. I think the key with Zimmer is going to be fun to watch to see how he translates after being two years out to this modern day player who's so coddled and so like, don't scream at me. My feelings will get hurt. Do you think so, Stephen? Stephen also. Spot, I mean, he's. Yeah, I don't know that there's that. I don't think they have to really worry about that in the NFL. I mean, I think there's still a place for a guy that's got a firmer hand, that's a little more fiery. I mean, it's such a physical game that there can't be any of that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so much, or there'd be less of that, I should say. Steven also said that they're going to see where Micah ends up because he got played a lot on the edge last year, but they might play him off the ball more in Zimmer's system. So that'll be. Interesting to see how he fits into an off-ball linebacker role because that's mainly what he played over at uh, Penn State. It's almost like moving him back to where he where he came from. So I'd let him play wherever he wants. Yep. <laughs> I think that's what. Michael, Dan... you want to play quarterback? Look like he can throw it a little bit too. We Don, saw Don, I think that's what Dan ball. Quinn did, and uh, look where that ended up. Well, I put him <laughs> on the edge a lot. I put him middle linebacker and let him run sideline to sideline. Well, you know that uh, Leighton Vanderesh will get hurt at some point. Leighton so. Vanderesh is going to retire. I think he might. Sadly, yeah. unfortunately, him and Sean Lee had the careers that were basically yep. the same. Yeah, because I, I don't know that, you know, again, we could talk about how good the Cowboys were on defense last year, top five, but losing him, your quarterback essentially, the guy that was taking the plays and making the calls and all that, I don't know that Leighton Vander Esch gets enough credit for being a damn fine football player yep. the last two yep. years for sure. Last thing on the way out, Don, you have uh, 30 seconds. You want to talk Kate, Caitlin Clark and Pete Maravich? I love Caitlin Clark. I think she's fantastic. I look forward to watching her games in March Madness more than I do the men's games. 
and I can't wait for her to become the leading scorer in the history of college basketball. Those are all facts. But she is not breaking Pete Maravich's record because the records are in different record books for a reason. It's apples and oranges, different ball size, different rules, different quarters versus halves, different histories, all those kind of things. It is not discounting her and at all to say that she's not breaking Pete Maravich's record. Pete Maravich's record, done in three years, in 83 games instead of 128, averaging 44 points a game, will never be broken by anyone in college basketball. She's going to have the most points, and Pete Maravich is going to be the greatest scorer of all time. So it's fair to say that she's the great or highest, best scoring, highest scoring college basketball player of all time. She is going to have more points scored as an individual than anyone in the history of college basketball. But that doesn't make her the best scorer. That is correct. Pete Maravich is the greatest scorer of all time. He averaged 44 points a game, only played three years. If you want to make it equal, why don't you count Lynette Woodard's records, who, by the way, is still the highest scorer in the history of women's college basketball. She scored more points than Clark has right now from 1979 to 1981 at Kansas, but her records are not recognized by the NCAA because at the time, the records were kept by the AIW, which is a different league than the NCAA. So they don't recognize Kansas in 1981 can't get recognized. So it, because of that, just like you couldn't compare Dr. J's scoring average in the ABA to Kareem's in the NBA, it's two different things. So I love Caitlin Clark. I'm not misogynistic, sexist, chauvinist. I just am saying she's not breaking Pete Maravich's record. I just had to let you loose on that for a second. Okay. Also, shout out to Scott Van Pelt for doing the Lynette Woodard um, piece that he did the other day. I oh, thought. I haven't didn't see it. Yeah, look up uh, look up Scott Van. Actually, look up Stanford Steve on Twitter, and you'll see they did a couple of minutes. Stanford Steve. Stanford Steve. Is it like any relation to Scuba Steve? No. <laughs> he's, 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 they he's, pay uh, tribute to Woodard because the, yes. she's been lost in all this. Yes, they did, and uh, and K, KU retweeted it and was like, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah, she's. I mean, she was a globetrotter too. Yeah, no, Lynette Water was amazing. I actually didn't really know of her until Scott Van Pelt um, brought it to the forefront. So thank you to yeah. him. And uh, I think it's great that she has sh- shown the light, shined the light on Maravich, so that we can Caitlin tell Clark people. Now? Yeah, we can tell people like you who missed Pete. You know, Pistol Pete missed Pistol Pete. The exploits of what he did. And by the way, as a freshman on the freshman team, he scored 741 points. So his he's over 4,000 if you were to count his freshman uh, numbers, which you can't, understandably so. But 44 points a game, that'll never be touched. All right, that's all we got for you on this edition of the Sneakers Cleats podcast. We went a little longer than anticipated, but... When don't we when we're talking about the Cowboys and when you have a great number like 80 that we had today. So remember to download, rate, review, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, uh, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Hope everyone listens to this on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We will be back here on Monday to talk more Cowboys and Combine probably. So until then, everyone have a good weekend. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.